Hey, this is Mary Christopher, and this is our Sunday meditation podcast. And I am down at one of my favorite parks in Gwinnett County by the stream or the creek. Um, And it's a beautiful day. Today is uh, April the 10th. Sunshiny in the 70s, clear sky. The trees, all the trees have got fresh green leaves on them. Just gorgeous. The park is full of people. And the stream is not... It's been up. I mean, it's been like... Uh, you, can, you can tell by looking at the opposite bank that it's been up. But it's flowing peacefully. Lots and lots of people in the park. But not too crowded. So, here we are. <clears throat> gorgeous day. Just gorgeous. And we've had rain and we had a cold snap. And that means that uh, there's not as much pollen in the air. So I can be outside and breathe. I had adapted really well to the pollen in Texas. But even though I lived in Georgia in the 80s, like from 76 through, through the 80s, I had forgotten how much pollen and what a a variety of pollen there is here. So that was kind of a wake up. I had to start taking children's antihistamines um, (laughs) in order to deal with the pollen. But I always adapt. I'm, I'm a good adapter, so... That's, I'm not worried about having a major difficulty. So, the news of the week is a good friend of mine who lives in New York uh, called up uh, last week and asked me to write a piece for an anthology that she is publishing. And she's asked a number of people that she knows who are writers or spiritual people um, just she knows a huge number of people so she's asked a number of people to write a piece and she asked me to do that so I've been working on that this week and the, <clears throat> the name of the The book is going to be Good Beyond Measure. And I love the name. I love the name. So I kept um, going back and forth about what I wanted to write about. And of course, of course, I settled on creation. Because the, the sheer goodness or beauty or wonder or amazing design or whatever you want to call it 
in nature, like in all of creation, is, is absolutely good beyond measure. And part of the difficulty, in, in my opinion, is that we take it for granted. So, for instance, for instance, the, the bees are out now, and they're all over the, like those big, I, when I was growing up, we used to call them bumblebees. And they're like the really <laughs> fat <laughs> kind of bees. Um, and I'm not even sure that they make honey. I, I don't know. But they are all over the backyard. And they are uh, getting nectar from those tiny little blue, blue and yellow flowers that are sort of like ground cover. And they have the capacity, even though they have kind of large, round bodies, they have the capacity to fly very low to the ground and in between like stalks of grass and the stalks of the flowers. I mean, they're no more than than an inch and a half off the ground, but somehow they can navigate. And um, they're flying around, getting nectar and spreading pollen. And pollen, of course, is what it takes to uh, fertilize the eggs or the part of the flower that produces seed so then the seed can get carried by the wind or just fall to the ground and make more plants so I've been researching bees and of course honey Um, I got some more honey last weekend from a local bee person who was at the Snellville Georgia farmer's market. They have a small market that goes through the year and then the big market where you know everybody shows up starts in June. But they're there two Saturdays first and third and that's true for a lot of farmer's markets in this area. There are a lot of farmer's markets and CSAs certified um, oh, what does that mean? You can contract with a CSA. They're like gardeners or growers. And, and you can contract with them and pay them a certain amount. And they will provide you with fresh produce, whatever they're growing, through the summer. And usually into the fall. So, um... There's a lot of produce that is grown in Georgia. Just a lot. So, anyway. um, I've been researching bees and pollen some more. And it turns out that part of this whole process of bees gathering nectar and uh, collecting pollen at the same time and then fertilizing 
similar plants is to some extent based on positive and negative charges. So, what happens when the bees leave the hive and go in search of nectar, which is what they need to survive, that they are carrying both negative and positive charges on their exoskeleton. And then, as they're flying around, what happens is that the particles, like the dust particles in the air, attract some of those negative particles. And the exoskeleton, I know you're fascinated by this, okay. Um, The exoskeleton becomes more positive and the flowers that have nectar and pollen that they have nectar that hasn't been depleted by other bees and they have pollen that hasn't been picked up yet and they are have more negative charges than positive charges and that that polarity attracts the bees okay there have been studies there i found this on youtube and so if you look about under what do bees do or what does pollen do or <laughs> any of those things you'll you'll find it and someone has made studies of this the differences in electrical polarity negative and positive polarity and that's one of the ways that bees right know where which flowers to go to so it's not so much trial and error they know which bees to go to in order to find nectar and collect pollen so I mean is this elegant design or what this is and and so much of nature works in some way on this aspect of positive and negative charges like electrons okay so one of the things that the way that gets that theory gets translated into human behavior is that opposites attract. So in terms of human bodies, that's true. But not necessarily in terms of personalities because that relies more on resonance and coherence. What that means is that we tend to attract people to us that reflect what we're feeling and thinking. And I'm sure you're going to say that uh, you can think of instances or examples 
that that's not true because people could be attracted to somebody based on their clothing or their jewelry or um, the car they drive or where they live, you know, like things like that. But underneath that, underneath that, there is a resonance factor. And this gets kind of lumped into the whole theory of the law of attraction, right? So, an example would be, right, an example would be uh, my friend calling me up and asking me to write an article for the book. Because we hadn't talked in years. I mean, we, you know, we we write little things on each other's Facebook posts. But no conversations, no conversations. And I was on the computer and I had just typed something, I don't even remember what I typed, but I put something in to her, um, to a Facebook post that she did. And then she sent me uh, a Facebook message, you know, an SMS. And I responded to that. And the next thing I know, my computer phone that operates through the Facebook messaging system was ringing and it and it was it was Melanie and I answered and we were on the phone for an hour more than an hour um and even though we haven't seen each other or you know had any kind of long conversation for some time we are very much uh we very much support each other we um are very like who we are resonates with each other and so she said well I just had to call you and ask you to write this article and I hope you can do it and I know it's short notice and I apologize and (laughs) we had a great conversation and I'm working on the article so that's actually a pretty good example of resonance Um, and some of these things that relate to resonance seem to come like out of the blue like out of nowhere right and and so some people might say well that's just coincidence that's that's all that is doesn't mean anything but we know we know enough we know enough about frequency and resonance and coherence that that we can pretty much figure out that some things are just due to resonance. So another example would be um, my long-term meditation class. It's kind of a, a master's meditation class. And there are people in that class who've been in it for at least seven years like we've been and this is from two different classes that we combined uh, when we had to go online with COVID 
So there are people in that class from two different classes that we combined. And it's getting noisy here, in case you hadn't noticed. Um, so the thing that was amazing to everyone after we went onto Zoom, after we went online, was that it felt as though we were still meeting in person. That we were still sitting in our circle, right, in person, doing our meditations and feeling the same level of resonance and coherence that we had felt when we met in person. And so we've talked about that a lot, and the main thing, and I've, I've read studies on this as well, there are, there are studies, okay? The main thing is that when we're in our circle, in Zoom, in our Zoom room, right, then everyone, and this, this is true for everybody in that class, in some way can feel the presence of other people, of the other people in the class. They can actually feel it. So, a big part of what happens with meditation is, is not mental. It, it is focus. It is attention. It is breath. Okay? But it's also being able to feel. And the, the, our capacity, uh, human beings' capacity to feel things has to do with our electromagnetic field. And we know, we know that that field, the electromagnetic field of the heart, is 5,000 times stronger than the electromagnetic field of the brain. So when I was growing up, okay, when I was growing up, the brain was the thing, like, took tests to see how, what your IQ was, right? And those, I just, you know, now I think those were just not a good idea at all because there's so many different kinds of intelligence. There are people who have extraordinary intelligence, like, with engineering or mechanics or animals or um, I mean they're just all kind oh art art or music and those IQ tests did not test for that they tested basically it was a test I think in my experience it was a test to see how well you could take a test or how, how much you had read during your life. And I had read a lot. I mean, my, there was tons to read at my house. And I was encouraged to read. Um, I was encouraged to read early on when I was in grade school. 
because I was so active and I'm sure that I like to read, so I'm not saying that I didn't, but I'm sure there were times when I was encouraged to read or my mom bought a book um, or two <laughs> or took me to the library just so I would be quiet. I wasn't hyperactive, I was just active, right? So anyway, I think those, those tests didn't tell us much except... A range of IQ, a, a very narrow range of IQ, and how well you could take a test. So that's not good information, really. So we have all this amazing intelligence, or we could call it consciousness, or we could call it awareness, right? But it has to do with being able not just to observe, not just to pay attention, but it has to do with our capacity to feel, right? And that has to do with our, our emotions and our feelings and the, the coherence or the size of our electromagnetic field particularly that of the heart. So when, when somebody says, oh, so-and-so has a lot of charisma, part of what they're talking about is the strength or the coherence of that person's electromagnetic field, specifically the electromagnetic field of the heart. So we have to let ourselves like be with our heart which in this world is sometimes very challenging as we all know it's a difficult world and right now you know we've got all kinds of things still going on which doesn't make it any easier which is why this brings me right back to nature brings me right back to creation because when you get, or we get, any of us get into a park, into the woods, um, into nature, anywhere, doesn't matter where, right? If we're in nature, we are walking around in the coherence and the frequency of creation. And that is a much stronger field than the human thought machine, right? Or the human thought capacity. So if people sit by a creek or a river or by the ocean, right? By the ocean, by a stream, <clears throat> for a while, our physical body, our emotional body, our nervous system, everything begins to um, tune itself to nature, to the rhythm and the coherence of nature. And you can look up people like Tesla. Um, there's a lot of physics and math that people use to try to explain Tesla. But he was one of those people who just kind of got 
the physics of what was going on in creation. So the mystics, like way, way back in the Middle Ages, right? Long, long ago. <laughs> or not so long ago, depending on your perspective. Um, said, if you want to understand the Creator, study creation. Pay attention to what's happening in creation. Now that's different from theology. So, sometimes theology just kind of puts me to sleep. <laughs> and, and so does being out in nature, but um, I can tell you that being out in nature for me, at any rate, is much more restful and healing than trying to get through theology. No disrespect to theology. So, that's what I'm writing about. And the more I write about it and the more I pay attention to it, just the more astounded I am by how just the beauty of the design, the beauty of the harmony, just the harmony of the whole thing and birds and butterflies and and when we leave nature alone, it works together. It works really well together. And there's incredible beauty and resilience and balance, you know? So anyway, that's that's what I'm writing about. And I will let you know. I will let you know when it's when it comes out. Okay? Wow, we should do our meditation, shouldn't we? I've been going on and on for some time. Okay. So we're here by the creek. Um, there are a lot of kids in the water right now, and they're in that area where you can hear the stream. I was hoping to get that. Um, but they're, and they're kind of noisy. So let's do our meditation, and I hope that wherever you are, that today you're safe. It's been a restful day. One of those bees just flew by. It's amazing because they're big and they have kind of stubby wings. and They're not interested in humans at all. They don't seem to be. Um, but then I don't have a picnic. I don't have any watermelon or <laughs> uh, sandwiches or lemonade, right? Or watermelon. Okay, so um, I've been walking around, so you may want to stand up and stretch and then find a really comfortable place to sit. I am by the creek, but you can't hear it. So you'll just have to take my word for it. Oh, another bee comes by. have to take my word for that I'm by the stream. It's gorgeous, just gorgeous. It's got the sun on my back. So if you can be outside, that's great. We've got a whole crowd of people, so I'm going to have to move. So find a comfortable spot. And I'm going to have to move away from the crowd here. We'll find a nice tree. Trees are always good for being supportive of meditation. 
So there's a nice tree here by the walk. And I'm going to go sit there. See, this is our world. This is the world we live in. Not always easy to find a place in nature, right? But we can find it. All right. So I'm leaning up against this really lovely tree. Just one of my favorite spots to meditate. So wherever you are, hope you're comfortable. If you're inside, visualize or feel yourself somewhere out in nature where there's some sunshine, one of your favorite spots. Sunshine, fresh air, got tons of fresh oxygen here. Fresh, fresh oxygen. Sit up, you can lie down. And walk us into the meditation and then we'll just be quiet for about five minutes. As you breathe in, feel yourself becoming more centered. Nice, slow, even, deep breaths. As you breathe out, following your breath, the bottom of your lungs, through your throat, out through your nose, your mouth, out into the space all around you. Allow yourself to relax. I've learned to be able to meditate anywhere. Almost under any conditions, if necessary. As you breathe in, following your breath, down into your solar plexus. Feel yourself becoming more centered. As you breathe out, following your breath, up from the bottom of your lungs, through your, past your heart, 
through your throat. Out through your nose, your mouth. Allow yourself to relax. And when you're feeling centered and relaxed, comfortable with your breath. And as you breathe in, bring your awareness to your heart. And let yourself rest there very gently. Being aware of the rhythm, the beat of your heart, the strength of your heart. Let yourself just rest right there for a few minutes.
your shirt off all the time and I never see that. Come on, Bolo. Now as you breathe in, following your breath, all the way down to your solar plexus, be aware of how centered you are. And as you breathe out, following your breath, bottom of your lungs all the way up past your heart through your throat out through your nose or your mouth to the space all around you be aware of how relaxed you are And when you're ready, as you breathe out, to the space all around you, gently open your eyes. <laughs> well, this has been an interesting uh, attempt to meditate. I had a nice brief meditation. I hope you did. Um, this is kind of ex an example of resonance. Um, everywhere I went to sit to do the meditation, people converged in that area. Um, I've had that happen before. So, um, so when we're when we get centered and we're, our breathing is regular and deep and calm, our heart rate slows down, um, people generally are uh, drawn to that because it's, it's calm. So the first spot I went to over by the creek, a family of about five or six people showed up and it just stopped. I mean, they just stopped right there. They weren't going, I mean, there was like nothing to do there. They couldn't even get close to the water. But they all just stopped and stood there. 
I was like, okay. Um, so anyway, <laughs> I hope you have a wonderful week. Hope you had a great meditation. Um, remember, it's a busy world. And we just have to be able to do our meditations wherever, right? Okay. Thank you for listening. Uh, have a wonderful week. Be safe. Take good care of yourself. Uh, thank you for listening, and thank you for all the good that you do in the world. <laughs>